Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin Acey, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. Guy on the other side of the screen, if you happen to be watching, is my boss, Ryan Finley, sports editor of the Union Tribune, longtime San Diegan, and now again a San Diegan. Ryan, you're starting your second year as, uh, or second Padres season as, as, as sports editor. Uh, we're just getting underway here. Oh, good. We're having all sorts of technical difficulties already. Uh, we're just getting underway here. Padres about to start. Um, their Cactus League schedule. We have a lot to talk about. As usual, I will let you guide us. What do you want to talk about? But I did want to ask you at the start here, because I am curious from the outside, and I know that you not only as, you know, a long time uh, you were a fan before, you know, coming to work for the Union Tribune. I'm interested, what is your take on the difference this year versus last year? Oh, this feels familiar, Kevin. <laughs> this year reminds me so ah. much of, of of so many Padre seasons of years past. Not to say that the expectations are the same, because they're not, right? This year's Padre team expects to make the playoffs. On paper, they look like a playoff team. The expanded playoff field means that you can make the playoffs without being that great. Um, but the idea of the Padres are in camp, and there are jobs to be won. There's competition among guys who even the closest observers may not have either heard of or thought would be contributors. Um, I am reminded every year, Kevin, and this is the lesson from spring training before we start talking about spring training, that a guy named John Roscos, R-O-S-K-O-S, played left field for the Padres in spring training, hit the cover off the ball, the greatest single spring performance in Padre history at the plate. Kevin, your job is to know about the Padres, and you've probably never heard of him because he went on to do absolutely nothing after that. So it's a reminder as we talk here about some of these jobs that are up, that are that are open, some of these players who I'm sure are going to make a real case, you got to take spring performance with a grain of salt in many cases. That said, the only thing that the Padres have to judge some of these guys on is what they do this spring. And, and that's where I'd like to start is the Padres have holes right. at one or one or maybe two outfield spots. They have holes in two rotation spots. There are some major questions awaiting this team. What have you noticed in the last week and how do you see these things shaking up? It's a great point that I just do want to make sure that we make that point. Like here's a team that has Three weeks from today, getting on a plane to go to Korea. Then a week after that, less than a week after that, we'll be starting the season. That's eight days, really nine days before anybody else, given the time difference. And the guys competing for jobs are not veterans for the most part. So you don't want to overemphasize spring results, but you don't even, you can't even go, okay, well, his results aren't good, and I see this, and he's working on this, but, you know, he's got this past record, and that's what we're going to evaluate on. No, like, you're going to go with your gut, and you're going to go with what the guy's shown you over the past uh, three weeks. And I, for one, am excited about it, because at this point last year, I was just like, okay, well, what time does the season start? Uh, because at this point last year, we were looking forward to what we thought was going to be a, 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 you know, a championship contender starting their season. And now it's like, okay, you know what? I'm excited to watch Jairo Iriarte, the Padres, one of their top prospects, a guy who, gosh, so far, I realize how silly this sounds, looks major league ready. Um, you know, he's got a really good fastball. He's got a really good changeup. He's got a really good breaking ball. And they appear to be, you know, 
pitches that will play. Uh, Matt Waldron actually has looked real good in his two lives. He'll get a shot to make the back end of this rotation. Right now, penciled in after you, Darvish, Joe Musgrove, and Michael King are uh, Johnny Brito, who will start on Friday after Musgrove starts Thursday against the Dodgers, and Randy Vasquez. A lot, a lot of questions. You want to, where do you want to talk about next? Outfield, you, Darvish, tell me, Ryan. No, no, I think we should talk about Jackson Merrill. Um, again, talk about one of the young guys who could really push for a roster spot here. You had a great story about him the other day and sort of what, what people are saying about him already. This is a guy who is probably too young by a year or two and playing a position that's not his natural spot. And yet he has a real chance to make this team. Uh, what have you seen out of him and what are people saying? It's a real credit to him because you just wouldn't have thought it, right? Like it's bumped up to double A, uh, middle of last season. Does pretty well, uh, but he is 20 years old. He'll be 21 early in the season, but he's 20 years old. It is obvious right away. Like, like I'll always uh, say, I'm not a coach or a scout, right? I know a little baseball. I talk to a lot of coaches, scouts, players, uh, to, to make sure that what I am saying is is – you know, correct. Um, but when a guy like me can see how talented, how good Jackson Merrill looks, how athletic he looks in the outfield without having to confirm it, which I did um, confirm it with people that know far more baseball than I, people that will be making these decisions for the Padres. I just got to say it, and I wrote it yesterday, and I'm not saying anything more than this. Jackson Merrill is much further along at this point in spring training than Fernando Tatis Jr. was as an outfielder at any point in spring training last year. Fernando was running circuitous routes. Uh, Fernando was catching everything, and he was highly athletic, and you said, look, it's going to be fine. But Jackson Merrill looks like he's been playing outfield from the crib. So, like, the, the, you know, that's not going to be an issue. And I'm going to tell you, this kid has a rare confidence that seems legit. It's going to be at how his bat plays. That seems to be the only the only question. They they have no uh, qualms about him being able to handle playing a new position his first year in the big leagues. It's about look, how's his bat going to play? Is there a comp with him? And I know that comps are dangerous, but you know he's a young guy, an infielder, good bat to ball skills. But what's I mean, what kind of player do they think he can become? You know, he's not in the realm of uh, Tatis, but, uh, you know, he's a member of that family, right? Um, he's a Xander Bogarts. Um, they, they think that he's a solid player. That's, that's what they think. He is a coveted player, a player who will be a part of. It's always dangerous to say, right? We're talking about the Padres, but this is the new Padres where you, you know, you keep players like Jackson Merrill. He is a coveted part of their young core, right? That's how we're going to look at the Padres, right? They've got their core, right? Your, your Xander, Tatis, Manny, your young core that's going to be comprising the, uh, the, the rest of the roster going forward. And Merrill is a part of that. And they see him as a solid big leaguer for many years. Wow. Kevin, the big news last week was the, the position swap. Hassan Kim is now your everyday shortstop. Xander Bogarts has moved to second base. Um, this is something that that we've talked about being a possibility for a long time. Uh, were you surprised to see it actually come to fruition that early in camp 
and uh, what was Xander Bogarts's take on it uh, when you talked to him? Not not surprised. Um, mm-hmm. It was one of these things where like it was a given, but nobody would really acknowledge it. You know, like really mm-hmm. acknowledge it. And then there seemed to be some confusion. Xander's just so honest, and and he's trying to answer questions and and be you know candid, forthcoming about things. Um, as to like how much information did he have? It's my understanding, talking to all parties, Xander knew this was coming. It wasn't formal, formal, right? But he knew it was coming. He was able to, you know, work on that in, in the offseason to some extent. Um, look, he sees himself as a shortstop. But like I said, he knew this was coming as, you know, from the time that he was signed, he knew that it was going to be two or three years at the most he was going to have. And I liked the way that he put it, you know, he said he was talking with his brother and he's got, you know, another 10 years left on this contract, probably makes a move to first base DH in the future. But if he's going to be a second baseman next year, why not do it this year? Give him more of a, of a runway and let him be a good second baseman for a long time is the way he sees it. And this is by look, it just is Xander was a serviceable shortstop last year. I don't know what it is talking to a couple of people in the organization, you know, is it a play a week? You know, is it a play every four games that Ha Sung makes that Xander wasn't? Well, you want to talk about winning on the margins, which is one of the themes for the team this year. You want to talk about a team that lost a bunch of one run games last year. You want to talk about a team that has a pitching staff that's young and unproven largely. Well, could that one play, you know, could that make a difference? I, I, it very well might. This is their best alignment on the left side, uh, having Ha Sung over there at shortstop. Right. Xander Bogart's a proud twin, by the way. You said talking to his brother. I feel the need as a, yes. as, 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 as a twin. As, as is Ryan yeah. Finley. As is Ryan Finley. Hey, um, Kevin, do we think that the move of Kim to shortstop is part of a push by the Padres to extend him? And if that's the case, what might that look like? I think at the very least, it's a sign that, look, I didn't think it was very likely that after Juan Soto was traded that Hassan Kim would be traded. But was he a topic of interest to other teams? Sure. No one, from my understanding, came close to prying him from the Padres. And now this move is basically them saying the reason that it wasn't formal, right, was maybe he won't be here and we're not going to get Xander all bogged down in this. But spring training starting, got a game in a month. This is it. And now I wouldn't say Hassan Kim's off the market, but he's off the market. Right. Right. Yes, there is talk that they will be, they they are interested in. They believe it's affordable uh, and, and that it could come during the season. Uh, talks about extending Hassan Kim. Because if I were the general manager of a team and trying to convince somebody to stay long-term, I think one of the first things I'd do would be put him in the position that he wants to play the most. Sure. And you could have said, Hey, we're going to make you this next year. But what you've done now too, uh, what you've done now too is best position where he might thrive and make himself unaffordable to you. I, I, you know, but Hey, you'll take that. You'll, you'll, you'll take that risk. You are trying to make the best, especially if you're a general manager, who uh, needs to keep his job, uh, needs a certain amount of wins to keep his job, maybe, uh, you're going to try to build the best team you can for 2024. 
Sure, sure. And uh, again, who would have thought, Kevin, a year ago, neither you nor I talked about Ha Sun Kim uh, in these sorts of terms, in terms of, hey, they're moving a, a, a multi-time all-star off his natural position <laughs> for Ha Sun Kim. I mean, last year showed how quickly things can change. Not this early, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I to agree. me, that's... Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, uh, it... It's yeah, a lot of lessons from last year. <laughs> and Kevin, uh, we have a story up uh, on our website. Just right so now. you all know, we're dealing with quite a delay here. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're dealing with quite a delay here. So we're doing our best, Ryan. I'm very proud of us because it it's like I'm already in Korea. How much the delay is going on here? It's spring for us too. Uh, Kevin, uh, we're looking at. There's a story on our website right now. We'll be in print tomorrow about guys who stand to benefit from this open competition in, in the first spring training game is tomorrow. It's Thursday. Um, there are uh, some names maybe that you've heard of, maybe that you haven't who are vying for some of these outfield jobs, especially Kevin, talk to me about the guy from Rancho Bernardo and, and, and some of the others who are looking to make the club uh, as either a backup outfielder or even a starter. After Jackson Merrill, I find Cal Mitchell from Rancho Bernardo uh, parents mm -hmm. in, in Temecula now. They find that to be more affordable than Rancho Bernardo after Cal, uh, after Cal uh, graduated from RB. But uh, I find him to be maybe one of the, the, the most intriguing guys, right? Like, like I think Jose Azokar is on this team in a capacity. But in terms of guys trying to make this team uh, in that outfield competition, and I would say there's nine of them. Uh, you put Jerks and Profar in there. I think he's on the roster too. But if you're talking about competing for one of those two spots, and by the way, like, not going to be another outfielder besides uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., at least unless they were to go out and get uh, one of the available free agents, which my understanding is probably not going to happen because those prices aren't going to come down enough. But it's, there's not going to be anybody besides Fernando Tatis Jr. who's playing 160 games in this outfield. When we talk about these guys competing for this spot, maybe it's the guy who starts, you know, 120 games or something. There's going to be quite a rotation going on out there based on matchups. But I really like Cal Mitchell. It was, uh, what was he, a second-round draft pick, I think? I, he made it into, uh, you know, he was one of the Pirates' top prospects. Played 69 games for him, I believe, in 2022. Was hurt last year. I'm not sure what that injury was. Missed some time. Spent most of it in AAA. Then was a minor league free agent. And heck, what a wonderful convergence of events for him. The team of his childhood, he was a Padres fan, needed outfielders. What a perfect time for him to sign with the Padres. Uh, there's a couple other guys with uh, with minimal major league experience out there. Um, but Cal, to me, is one of the more intriguing ones. But there's a kid named Bryce Johnson who's played for the Giants. Um, he's, my understanding, is is, is very quick. Um, you've got uh, Robert Perez Jr., Oscar Mercado, who came up in the Cardinals system. So you've got guys they don't have a lot of experience, but they've got some. And then you got Jacob Marcy, another one of the top prospects, possibly could force his way onto the roster, probably more of a midseason guy. Tiersor Nellis, another guy in front of the minor leagues, has some AAA experience. You know, maybe they could force their way onto the roster. Yeah, I'm intrigued by Oscar Mercado. Uh, free agent signing of theirs last year, played in, in El Paso, hit well. This is a guy who has almost 900 big league at-bats. Somebody who, yeah, who, somebody who at one point was really highly thought of. Um, if you're looking for a guy who can play a corner spot or be a backup at a corner spot, I mean, I'm thinking of him sort of in a right-handed David Dahl mode, if we remember last year. 
you know, maybe uh, an up and down guy. Um, but, you know, to me, that's a name. I mean, he at least has a little bit of a resume in the big leagues where some of these other guys don't. Mm -hmm. He's yeah. one of the first guys I talked to for that very reason where I said, you know what, here's a guy who comes in maybe with like at least has something that the coaches and the personnel department can be familiar with. That's what's remarkable about, about, remarkable about this. It's not 2017 anymore. It's, it's a contending team, a team that's expecting itself to contend, that should be considered a contender. And there's all these unknowns at all these spots. Like their bench, what do you think of when you think of a bench player? Yeah. Right? Maybe a guy has yeah. done it. Their bench is going to be made up of kids. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Dave no. Hansen's not walking through that door. John Vanderwall's not walking through that no. door. Greg Garcia's not walking through that door even. So Sure. No, no. You make a great point. Kevin, you said a year ago catcher was maybe the one spot where there was a little bit of competition in camp. Things now seem pretty locked up. Jeff Sanders had a story about Luis Campusano in today's paper. Uh, what have you seen out of him early in camp, and, and what do the Padres think they have in him? Because um, they need him this year. Campy looks real good, and he looked good last year. He did. He really vindicated himself last year, and then what the Padres are, are happy about is that he continued it. He once again lived in San Diego in the offseason, and, um, you know, we've talked about it before. Luis Campusano is, is very shy. And that's just not a natural thing for him. What you think of as a catcher, right? Like when they talk about Kyle Higashioka, you talked about AJ Ellis, uh, you know, you're kind of your typical catcher who handles the staff. Look, his own, that's not a natural thing for uh, Camposano. All mm -hmm. credit to him. He has worked on it for over two years now to become more of that guy. And he's only 25 years old still. He's been there. He was the as Jeff, and I love the way that Jeff put it, especially in light of, you know, Ethan Salas and the catcher of the future. Luis Camposano has been the catcher of the future for so long uh, that it seems like, wow, shouldn't he have done something by now? The reality is he's at the age where most guys who are now their team's primary catcher and the expectation is that he will be the guy to catch 90 to 100 games. Yeah. Kevin, I know you and I have talked sort of off air about Kyle Higashioka. You wrote uh, in Monday's paper that there are some who believe he's the key to the whole trade because he comes in with a built-in scouting report <laughs> on these four other pitchers who they got from the Yankees. I know he's an Orange County guy. I know he's hit, I think, exactly 10 home runs the last three years. Um, what else should I know about Kyle Higashioka? Yeah, the pitchers that came over with him, they call him the, or at least Michael King specifically used the words, the other guys, the way they talk about him, uh, talked about he was the key to the trade. When we know Michael King was really and Drew Thorpe, uh, but but because of he's that guy that that has that rapport. Uh, I see him working uh, with Camposano, uh, and, and it seems that he will be, he's also, everyone, especially catchers, they portray themselves as selfless and team guys. Kyle Agashioka is, is well known as like the perfect guy to start 70 games for you. Um, and that's what he's been doing for the Dodgers, uh, 70, 80 games. Um, and, you know, there all the time, knows everybody. You feel good if he's got to fill in. The guy went on the IL uh, for a week and a half. 
Um, and and so I I fully expect that he would be the guy. Though I'll tell you what, Brett Sullivan's made really good strides, and but it's just they have so much that they need help with. Like they got, I think they have to carry five outfielders, or at least they have to carry four outfielders. And Jackson Merrill, um, you know, like like is a guy who can you know play both outfield and infield. I don't think they can carry three catchers. So I, I think it's Campusano and Higashioka. Okay, no, that makes sense. Uh, any other guys to watch? I mean, Kevin, we're going to start games here on Thursday. Uh, most fans tracking will probably want to keep an eye out on a couple of names. And anybody out there who we haven't talked about yet, who, who you'll be watching closely? Gosh, I think that I went through all those outfielders. Um, I, yeah. I, I, my question is, and again, we're getting like it's it's interesting after three of like not really the, the fringe competitions weren't uh, important. It's like now I'm kind of like engrossed in this outfield competition. Um, do they carry? If Jackson Merrill makes the team, does that mean that both Eggy Rosario and Matthew Batten won't make the team? Like only one of them will make the team? Because I think those are, those are your most experienced bench guys. Like especially mm -hmm. Matthew Batten, he showed that he can play the bench, right? Like, like most guys come up and you're a, you're not a bench player from the start. That's Matthew Batten's lot in life. He could be a longtime major leaguer as a bench guy. So uh, are he and Eggy in a um, in a uh, competition? Eggy Rosario, a nice job in Winter League. And there's a guy who, you know, I think, I know you love Eggy. Um, you know, he could be a starter somewhere, but he's never going to be the starter here. Um, so at least not while Manny Machado's still walking. So, right. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, to me that's interesting. And you know, Kevin, I one am of the excited. things excited. I cannot. Ex oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Ryan. Our delays. Oh, well, you know what I'm going to have to do in the future? You know what I'm going to have to do in the future? When I'm scouting out the UT house for spring training, <laughs> I'm going to have to come here personally and check the internet because this house is wonderful. <laughs> but evidently, the internet—it's like going back in time or something. I don't know if we're on <laughs> dial-up or what, but <laughs> people forget. I was People, just going to say that I'm thrilled to see, to see uh, Jairo Iriarte. I am thrilled. Like, I, 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 hope, I hope for fans' sake he's as good in the Cactus League as he has been on the backfields um, in uh, live batting practices. So you can at least see one time what I'm talking about. I think that – and I'm not trying to say that he's ready to come in and, and be a number two starter or something, or that he won't struggle in the major leagues. I'm just saying that a guy that is at double a, um, who there are, there are starters that they have that have been talked about more in the future that Jairo Iriarte, I think is major league ready. That's all I'm saying. Wow. 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 I, I will offer a, a reminder when we talk about the Padres bench too, of what Batten and Rosario did down the stretch last year. Now we can argue whether those games matter, but you know, when Machado was, was only DHing, um, I thought Batten and Rosario, there were times where Batten and Rosario were two of their better players day to day. And does that matter at all in 2024? I have no idea, Kevin, <laughs> but I think that they both have that body of work where I think I'd be comfortable having both of those guys coming off the bench. Um, but you know, you still need somebody to play the outfield. Can can Rosario or Batten play the outfield? Well, they haven't worked there. Uh, Batten probably could. There was a time that they talked about it. He may have even done it. I think the guys played like all nine positions in the minors. Um, but uh, he's one thing is he's far more versatile in the infield than Eggy Rosario is. 
Sure. Sure. Kevin, we're wrapping up here. You. There's a lot you don't want to read into that finish. There are some things that the Padres can take out of that finish. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Hey, last thing. One more thing before we go. One of the big stories in baseball, and you've written about it, is the new sort of fanatics and Nike generated uniforms. Two-parter. Number one, do you see a difference being around them every day? Two, have players noticed a difference? The players seem to think that the fit is just fine in terms of the jersey and, and, and you know, the big thing that MLB and Nike were pushing is the breathability and all that. Uh, the guys that I've asked are fine with it. They're not, like, ecstatic about it. They're not upset about it, as you've seen across the league a little bit about how they fit. As far as for the Padres, yes, the big difference aesthetically is the lettering on the back. It's smaller, which I don't get. I, 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 I don't generally get too upset about, like, uniform patches or anything. And by the way, the placement of the PS, Peter Seidler, the heart is absolutely fantastic. I think it's a wonderful tribute. But um, I don't get too upset about the uniforms, whatever. I don't get too upset about anything. But, like, I don't get making the lettering that much smaller. I, I just don't understand. It makes it look cheap. But I will say that on the Padres uniforms, it doesn't look as small to me as it does on some of the other ones. So I don't think it's that big of a deal. But like I said, I just don't get upset about that kind of things. And I will say this, I have much respect for people who are very into uniforms uh, because baseball uniforms are just, uh, they are, they're beautiful. I, I get it if, 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 if it's something that really bothers you. <laughs> Yellow hats, thumbs up or thumbs down? You know, um, my mom always told me that I um, looked washed out and terrible in yellow. So I have like a little bit of, you know, because uh, uh, I love the color. Uh, my point is, I wish I could wear those hats. Um, first off, I can't wear Padres gear because then people will be like, what are you doing rooting for the Padres? Second of all, I can't wear yellow. I love them. I absolutely love them fantastic that's a good place i i do i i do for spring training for something fun i'm all for fun and as much as i love the brown exactly i didn't say wear them in the regular season and that's not what we're saying beautiful right you and i would agree kevin that the day that they switch yeah. back to brown is a top 10 day in franchise history so i i'm i don't i'm all for anything that's brown and yellow but having a little fun in spring, I think I'm good with that too. I think if they had eight World Series titles, that the day they switched back to Brown would still be in the top 10. Would be for me, for sure, for sure. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Hot Lava Podcast. For Kevin Acey, I'm Ryan Finley. We'll see you next time.